0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. All right, let's pray. All right, Lord, thanks for your goodness, your loving kindness, and thank you for this uh, season where we remember that you have come to us. And Lord, bless this time. your power is made great in our weakness and in our fatigue. So we pray that Christ would be great in this time. Ask these prayers in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So this series um, is called Characters Around the Manger. Um, so I am, I love Christmas. Big, big Christmas fan. We definitely put up the tree the Friday after Thanksgiving. We have three trees in our house, uh, hey, yeah, all in, right? We've, we've already watched Elf and Home Alone, uh, and yeah, I love it. And we, we literally have a sit-down meeting to go over, like, all right, Briarwood Nativity is this Thursday night, Mountain Brook Living Nativity, that's that night, you know, going to look at Christmas lights that night. Like, it's on the calendar. It is, we are, to, but yeah, one thing I will say about Christmas is um, it is a fantastic time uh, to spiritually invest in your kids, because there's no time of the year where your children are more, um, spiritually interested than Christmas time. Um, they're super excited. Uh, they, you know, I, you know, we, I can remember Mary Matthews is like a two year old and three year old, like wanting to constantly be talking about playing with the baby Jesus. And last year, (laughs) was it last year or two years ago? Mary Matthews wanted to have a Christmas play. We had a Christmas play uh, on a Sunday afternoon. I think I played like four different parts. Because it's not much of a play when there are only two actors, yeah. right? But um, anyhow. But um, uh, yeah, that's all to say. like For small kids, they're really, really into it. Um, but for like teenage kids, too, they're, I mean, they're interested as well. Uh, and I think one thing that we um, can be guilty of with Christmas is kind of like just sentimentalizing it. And not actually getting into the grit of like what's going on in the Christmas story, um, and so uh, particularly like thinking about Joseph or thinking about the wise men or the shepherds or Mary. Um, there's a ton of richness. I think there'd be a lot of value in studying the Christmas story outside of Christmas season, uh, so when you know all of the kind of nostalgia and sentimentality is not there, and looking at it more. Just through an objective lens, theological lens of what's going on. So, the purpose of this class um, is to basically give you guys some information to learn about Joseph and um, and some of the things we can learn from Joseph's story, um, so that you know during this Christmas season, um, you know whatever it is that you guys do or whatever movies you watch. By the way, the movie The Nativity Story is a fantastic movie. It's, just, it's like very biblically faithful. And um, so yeah, you can add that add that to the lineup of Elf and Home Alone and Home Alone Two and what, what you know and, and and Love Actually for when the kids are asleep. Uh, guilty pleasure, right? Um, anyhow, but yeah, so so yeah, to basically give you guys some information so that when you talk to your kids, there are some you know you have uh, some some tools um, to to invest in spiritually. So um, I'm doing Joseph this week. In two weeks. Uh, Stephen Nichols is going to teach on Mary, and uh, next week actually, it's, sorry, it's all kind of messed up. We're gonna, it's going to be a, a one-off class because it's Bible presentation Sunday, and um, the second graders get their Bibles, and so we're just going to do a class about um, a class about. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell the story of the whole Bible in 30 minutes next week um, for from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, for that, so it will kind of take a week off. so It's a little choppy, but oh well, let's roll with it. Um, Okay, so, first off, this might be a little little off-color, maybe a touch inappropriate, but this is pretty funny. Um, this is Jim Gaffigan, and I, the reason I want to bring this in, he's going to say something that's maybe a little borderline not, not appropriate, but he is a comedian. He's, got, he's Catholic, and he's serious about it. He has six or seven kids to prove it. Um, and uh, In one apartment. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he kind of talks. He he kind of opens up here and he talks about Joseph's Joseph's experience, you know, in the Christmas the the, the Christmas story. So here you go. I think it's fantastic. I would have loved to have overheard that conversation where Mary explained to Joseph that she was pregnant. <laughs> Joseph wasn't the father. Joseph? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, we've never made love yeah <laughs> Yeah. um anyway uh last night an angel visited me <laughs> and now i'm pregnant jesus christ <laughs> oh you already know about it <laughs> <laughs> all right so yeah that was it there but kind of funny but yeah you know, this, this is a, it's a, it's a, it's quite a story. And let's think about Joseph's perspective. But anyhow, there's a little picture of Joseph. Hey, Joseph, you know, J- Joseph and Jesus working in the wood shop there. Um, <laughs> but okay, so we'll start out with a few basic facts um, about Joseph. Then we'll look at uh, Matthew chapter one, the Christmas story. And we'll talk about Joseph there. And then finally, we'll talk about some applications, some lessons that we can learn that we can teach our kids. Um, teach our kids um, yeah, through this. So to start out, um, Joseph is a descendant of David. Uh, this is important because um, it's interesting. You have two. The, the, you know, the Bible, the New Testament, really doesn't get off to a rock and start. If you've ever ever read it, it's very uh, it's a very anticlimactic beginning because it's just the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, and in the, in the the Gospel of Matthew, the genealogy is really showing how Joseph is linked to David and linked to Abraham. The Messiah in the Old Testament is promised, they'll be descendants of Abraham and, and David. Um, and so, so anyhow, uh, Joseph is a descendant of David. Now, the Davidic king, you know, uh, royalty or, or throne is, doesn't exist because Israel is not a country. Uh, Rome is taken over. Um, but, so, but Joseph does come from that line. Um, secondly, Joseph is a carpenter. He is a carpenter. That is not that is not something that we've kind of made up. Um, in Matthew 13:55, uh, they they ask uh, some a crowd asked the question about Jesus. He had done some amazing things, and they say, "Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this uh, is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas?" So we see here that um, that Joseph was in fact a carpenter, and Joseph and Mary uh, they had kids of their own. Um, after Jesus was born. Uh, here it, it says they, they mentioned four kids. Um, so, anyhow, so that, that's another thing. The second thing we know about Joseph is that he was uh, a faithful Jew. Um, we see that, uh, in particular, I don't know if you remember the story uh, from Luke chapter 2, where G, uh, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple. And it says in that story that as they, that as they did every year, they went to the temple um, at Passover. So, we see that Joseph was a faithful, observant Jew. Um, before you know, before Mary came on the scene, um, but also as a parent. So that's something we know about Joseph. Uh, we know that Joseph is probably somewhere between working class and poor, uh, not quite like not like impoverished, but um, bar- maybe barely working class. The reason we know that is when they do go to the temple, we see that Mary and Joseph, the sacrifices that they offer, they offer two pigeons as their sacrifice. And so, um, there was kind of like a, f- a financial aid, uh, uh, situation in the temple where if you were wealthier, you might bring a cow. Um, but if you were poor, you would bring, you know, a bird as your sacrifice. Basically, they knew that a poor person couldn't afford a cow. They couldn't sacrifice a cow or a lamb or whatever. So as an, a financial accommodation, uh, in the Old Testament law, you could bring a couple of birds. So by virtue of the fact that, uh, the sacrifice that they brought to the temple, was a a couple of pigeons, that tells us that they were at the very bottom stratus uh, socioeconomically. So we know that, uh, you know, he had kind of a working class, poorish socioeconomic situation. And then finally, we do know also that uh, Joseph was the legal father of Jesus. Uh, In John chapter 1, they refer to Jesus as Joseph's son. So anyhow, so that's just a a little background information there um, on that we know about Joseph from other parts of the Gospels. Now, we're going to look at the um, the Christmas story here as told in Matthew 1. Uh, you only see the the kind of birth of Jesus told in Matthew and in Luke. Uh, John and Mark really focus more on Jesus' ministry. Uh, but anyhow, and what we're going to see here is uh, one thing I want you to see is just what a difficult situation this is for Joseph. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of times we hear these stories so much That we lose the human aspect of it Um, we lose the human aspect that um you know joseph is being told by this woman that he's engaged to hey i'm pregnant we've never had sex and i've been impregnated by the holy spirit like that's a convenient story right uh if you've got skeptical eyes um so anyhow but we'll see how in this difficult situation to which god has called joseph um, how god provides for him like god provides for him and enables him uh, to be faithful. So we're just going to go line by line. So starting in, in Matthew 1, um, uh, I'll just read the whole thing and then we'll go line by line. But Matthew 1, it says, "...now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly." When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So, here we go. Um, So, 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 so much in these few verses. All right. so to start here, uh, verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with the child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay, so first thing, so Joseph and Mary are engaged. Uh, in this culture back then, engagement was tantamount to marriage. Um, even though you weren't, had not been officially married, even though you not had sex yet, um, you were uh, basically to get out of the engagement it would it would require divorce, um, and so. So basically, I always say engagement's the worst because you have all the commitments of marriage but none of the benefits. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, that, this was actually like legit, fully true um, for Joseph. Uh, they were locked in by engagement to be married. That's why um, in verse 19, when it refers to Joseph as her husband, even though they weren't officially married, that's why it refers to her as her husband. So um, according to the practice of the law back then, this means that, you know, so Mary is pregnant, and in uh, every single situation but this one, we would assume that's because she has had sex with somebody. And so uh, she could have been stoned to death. Like that could have been uh, a penalty for, what, for her uh, you know, having sex outside of marriage um, with Joseph, particularly while she's engaged. So she could have been stoned. And so we see first that Joseph is really, actually very merciful, he's very kind in the way that it says he resolved to divorce her quietly. Now that might, you know, that may sound unmerciful in the sense of like, um, oh man, he's, she made a mistake, he's going to divorce her. Um, but actually, given that what ordinarily would have happened is that she would have been stoned, this is actually, he's actually dealing her a pretty big solid um, by, you know, by, by just being a divorce. Um, and so, you know, um, what was I going to say? yeah so we can see here it says you know Joseph was a just man, so that tells us something about um about his character um One thing here we see is that that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit uh now a couple of things obviously, this is something supernatural, you know we don't know of any other situations where someone has you know conceived a child by the holy Spirit uh so two things to say about that: one is um Why is this necessary? Why is it necessary that Joseph is not the biological father, but God is the biological father? Biological father. I don't even. Honestly, we don't really have categories for this. But uh, here's the deal: If Jesus had to be fully uh, divine and fully human, Um, he had to be fully human in the sense that he needed to cancel out what Adam, Adam's failure in the garden. Um, He needed to. Yeah, he needed to be a new man in that way. He also needed to be fully divine because it is impossible for a human being with sinful flesh to live a perfect life. And that's what Jesus needed to do. He didn't just need to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus also needed to live a perfect life that we cannot live on our behalf. We call that the act of righteousness of Christ. And so, um, and so here's the deal. We, you inherit your sin nature from your father. We call that seed theology. You inherit your sin nature from your father. So Jesus had a truly free will. Uh, Adam, Eve, and Jesus are the only three people who have ever been born who have a truly free will. Everyone else inherently has a sinful nature uh, and inherently um, is prone to rebel against God and his law and wants to be their own Savior and their own Lord. And so, with that being said, this is why it is imperative that Jesus had to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, he had Because now he has a truly free will and even though he's living in a fallen world. And so, and on top of that, He doesn't inherit a simple will, but he also has a divine will that enables him to live perfectly. Um, But Jesus, being completely human, he was raised by Joseph. You know, like Jesus was a carpenter. His dad taught him that. You know, there are things like, you know, Jesus had to learn how to eat his solid food, and Jesus had to learn how to walk, and Jesus had, uh, you know, to learn how to read. And so it's it's really a mysterious thing to think he's God. He knows everything. He created the world, but he also is a. he also is, you know, a human being who had to learn functional things like we do, and so anyhow, so Joseph, as a just man, um, would have been—we would presume—would have been a good father to Jesus. Um, uh, one other thing too, on—and y'all have heard me, y'all hear me say this at like a, a, probably every class I teach, but it's worth saying again—that we need to keep in mind uh, the, from a philosophical standpoint and a historical standpoint, the time we live in. Like we are white people mostly. Uh, who live in the West after the Enlightenment. Um, So we are naturally, by virtue of the world we live in, the culture we live in, the media around us, and the way we've been educated, we are naturally prone to reject supernatural claims. Um, We are naturally, when we hear things like, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which is obviously something supernatural and uh, and miraculous, we need to understand our bias, uh, because of our culture and our philosophical context, against supernatural claims. If we were in Asia, Africa, South America right now, reading the story, there would not be the same kind of uh, skepticism about this. They, would, they have a very high view of the supernatural. It's not a matter of us being more educated uh, or anything along those lines. It's just a matter of, in Western Europe and the United States, Canada, Australia, we we're very influenced by the Enlightenment, which uh, was very, very against anything that can't be proved empirically. Uh, So, anyhow, that's going to be very relevant because uh, an angel is about to come onto the scene. Okay, so next. um, (laughs) As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So, uh, here you see, you know, Joseph um, is close to um, divorcing Mary imagine being, you know, imagine Mary, you know, like Mary has been, for lack of a better term, knocked up by the Holy Spirit against her will. uh, And Mary is now, um, and Mary is now, you know, on the cusp of losing her engagement and being, you know, possibly stoned, definitely publicly shamed. Um, So, you know, by, it was not a choice she made. Like, this is something a, a calling that God placed upon her God didn 't come to her and say like, "Hey, Mary, what do you think? Yen, you Yen? You you know, there was none of that. It's just like, hey, Mary, this is what is. And so, um, so this is really a provision for Mary as well. but an angel appears to Joseph. Um, and so uh, it's, so here's the thing let's think about this. So for Joseph, would this have been like totally crazy for an angel to appear to him? Um, yeah, it, I mean, this was not something that ordinary, This is not something that ordinarily happens to people, right? But Joseph, as a Jew, he would have had a category for um, angelic appearing, uh, appearances. In the Old Testament, you see that at very significant times in uh, redemptive history, um, when there is a great need and a, and a person is up against the wall in terms of being faithful in something very important. That you do see visitations from angels. An example of this would be in the life of Jacob. Uh, Jacob, son of Isaac, and uh, who was, and granddad was Abraham. And uh, three different times in Jacob's life, an angel appears to Jacob and, uh, at, a, at a pivotal, pivotal point and, and, and reveals a message from God. In particular, uh, you may be familiar with the story of Jacob's ladder, or at least that term, Jacob's ladder. Um, in Genesis 31, that's right. Genesis 31, um, and, and 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 basically an angel. J- Jacob's asleep, and in a dream, uh, an angel appears to Jacob. This happens also in, in Genesis 32, also in Genesis 48. Um, another thing as well. Uh, in um, so so first off, in the Old Testament, you do see a precedent of angels appearing at significant times. So Jason, Jacob, I'm sorry, Joseph would have had a category for this. A second thing, too, is uh, a very significant text in the Old Testament, a prophecy of of the prophet Joel. Uh, Joel chapter 2, it says, uh, when talking about when the Messiah will come uh, and when the Holy Spirit will come, it says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. So, uh, an angel appearing to Joseph and delivering a message in a dream. he also there would have been some anticipation of that uh, for Joseph as a faithful Jew um, of of basically miraculous revelation in a dream. Um, so all that to say, um, this is uh, this seems maybe may kind of peculiar to us, uh, but it would have been I don't want to say normal, but it would not have been something that Joseph did not have a category for, an angel appearing to him. And by the way, we see that Joseph has angels appear to him three more times. Um, when uh, Herod orders um, that all the children in Bethlehem be killed, uh, an angel appears to Joseph and says, you guys need to get out. And then so they, they leave and go to Egypt, and when they're coming back, an angel appears to Joseph and says, uh, oh, sorry, an uh, uh, angel appears to him in Egypt and says, it's time to go back. And then they're... they're um, when they're coming back, there's a bad ruler who was a threat to Jesus who had been enthroned. And so the angel appears and says, you need to go to Nazareth. This be basically be as far away from, from this leader as possible. So, you Joseph and angels had a friendship. They were buds. <laughs> uh, and, so uh, interesting story here um, about angels. Real story. Um, I had a student in the week after my son died in 2013 who was, I mean, just bereft. Uh, was just distraught about him dying. She was a babysitter for us. And so for... um, He died on like a Sunday night, Monday morning. So that Monday night and that Tuesday night, she literally could not sleep. She could not sleep. And she was just so upset. She was out of school. And so she was laying in bed on Wednesday night, and an angel appeared to her. Um, An angel appeared to her, sang her a song, um, and she felt very much at peace, and she slept. She slept for the first time in like three days. So anyhow, I know, a little chill bumpy kind of story, a little weird, happened in Mountain Brook. Angels, angels live in Mountain Brook, <laughs> look out. <laughs> right around the elementary school, so if you live near the elementary, Mountain Brook Elementary, you know, look out, look out. they're around. But anyhow, that's all to say, um, uh, and I think this story is completely real. This is a very sane, non-crazy, grounded child. Uh, so that's all to say, um, uh, you know, not just, not just Joseph, uh, kids who go to Mountainburg Elementary, happens to them too. Um, anyhow, so, so back to Joseph, um, so moving along, uh, let's see, what else we have? Oh yeah, so last thing I'll say here on this is, um, that, uh, he tells Joseph, um, you know, basically, she's going to have a son, call him Jesus, which will be named after Joshua. There's significance to that. We won't get into it. Uh, for he will save his people from their sins. So basically, he is communicating to Joseph that your son is going to be the Messiah, the one the Old Testament is, has prophesied, has told, you know, foretold. You know, over hundreds and hundreds of years, your son is going to be the guy. And um, and 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 he says, and this will be to fulfill the prophecy behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us Um, so that that's how uh, Matthew kind of ends this story and that's how that's the end of the angels communication with Joseph and we can see that Joseph after the angel appears Joseph is on board Um, he is on board and he uh, does not divorce Mary he's faithful to Mary uh, it says that he, you know, did not sleep with her until after she had, um, she had, you know, given birth to the son, and he called, he called his name Jesus. So Joseph names him, and jo- Joseph accepts Jesus and really does own that Jesus is um, actually uh, the son of God. Uh, and and so Joseph is really a rock star. He really is kind of an unsung hero. So uh, what I want to kind of finish with here, or, or spend the rest of our time with, is uh looking at these um looking at some of the the lessons that you can kind of take away and you could potentially teach your children as Joseph comes up. Like, you know, if you're if you watch the Nativity story, if you go to a, a living nativity and you know something about Joseph, here are some some lessons that we can ourselves can glean but we can also communicate to our kids. So uh, this is the first one's kind of funny. Um you know if uh, if you're a parent and you have a kid who's like early elementary school and you're kinda like, you know it, it's time for the talk like we need to talk to our kid about sex uh and but you're just like when is the right opportunity this story is pretty it's kind of a, do you like that a gift wrap op- opportunity yeah there you go anyhow <laughs> like that pun don't you merry christmas um anyhow but it really is because like hey like what what's going on here you know like you know, there, there, there are some dots that need to be connected here and like this actually is an opportunity where if you wanted to have the talk with your kid and explain to them what sex is like this, is, this story really lends to that. Um, so just, just throwing you a little bone there. Um, all right, so number two, uh, faith involves hearing God's word and obeying step by step. So when we see the narrative of Joseph, you know, uh, Joseph is in uh, a rough situation but God appears to him and God communicates to him, and Joseph takes the next step. And we see this trend continuing throughout his life. You know, jo- uh, Herod is gonna have all the children in Bethlehem killed, Joseph, um, an angel appears to Joseph and says, get out of town, Joseph hears, Joseph obeys. And like I said, this, this continues over and over again. And so this is kind of the uh, dynamic of following Jesus. Um, it is a matter of uh, hearing from Christ, first in his word, Uh, you know, what he, what he kind of generally and broadly commands us to do in his word, hearing that, um, and by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, uh, responding faithfully to that. Um, but also too in our own lives, you know, like we all have situations where there's no, there's no, no black and white answer, there's no rule in the Bible about, man, do I take this other job or, uh, you know, do we go here on vacation or how do I handle this challenging person or this challenging situation? And that's where we pray. You know, we pray and we ask God for wisdom. We ask God to move in our heart. And, uh, and we trust him. And, and just as God works in our heart, we, um, you know, we kind of follow that. Uh, and, and, you know, step by step, day by day. And so, anyhow, Joseph is, is really a, a, great, um, a great example of kind of what practical faithfulness looks like. Um, third, uh, faithfully following God is not easy. You know, I just can imagine that Joseph, as a normal human being, there had to have been times where he was like, "Man, life would have been a whole lot easier for me if I had just divorced Mary." You know, um, he he was totally entitled to do so. He had his out. Uh, he did not know what what was ahead for him. Well, he actually did know what was ahead for him. He knew that everyone in the village was going to think, "Oh, you know, Mary, either Mary and Joseph they're sleeping together." Or Mary slept with somebody else. And so basically, by his association with Mary, his reputation was going to be impugned. Like, his reputation was going to be damaged. There was no way around that. Joseph knew that much. But he certainly didn't know that, um, you know, he was going to have to leave in the the middle of the night because someone was trying to kill his baby. Um, He didn't know that, you know, they were going to basically be nomads. Um, and there would be so much danger. And honestly, I don't think Joseph was alive when Jesus was crucified. Um, he's not there in the crucifixion stories. We see after the temple story, Jesus, Joseph doesn't appear any. So Jesus prob- Joseph was probably dead before Jesus was actually crucified, but um, you know, had he been around for that, that, that obviously is you know, horrific, what, what Mary as a parent had to endure. So anyhow, um, Joseph uh, is faithful, and it's very, very costly for him in many ways. Uh, emotionally, physically, financially, um, and socially. So, anyhow, so there's that. Uh, we talked about that. We did a whole series on that, you know, uh, back in October, just for our kids. I, you know, one thing that we kind of communicated was, uh, if you're gonna follow Jesus, like it's going to be hard. Like it is going to be costly. You will lose things. Um, and Joseph is a good. That's something I, I, I'm kind of a, I found we need to be. I'm a proponent of we need to be really honest with kids about that because. I found a lot of our teenagers are kind of caught off guard, kind of surprised that when they're faithful, um, they lose friendships or they lose opportunities or they might get made fun of in certain ways. Uh, and so anyhow, that this is a good opportunity to kind of educate kids to have realistic expectations of the costliness of, of faithfully following Jesus. Okay, finally, or not finally, um, number four, Joseph teaches us about Christian loyalty and standing by friends. You know, Joseph is really loyal to Mary. Um, uh, you know, we believe Joseph believes that Mary was faithful, but you know, Mary was probably kind of a, stigmatized. She was probably a pariah as a product of her pregnancy um, during engagement before marriage. And so, but Joseph's loyal; like he stands by her, he stands by Jesus, Jesus and Mary with all these difficulties that are ahead for him. And you know, I think we've, and some of you are probably already into this, where you know. Yeah, your child has a buddy from elementary school or from, like, you know, pre-K or whatever, and they're friends. And then, you know, as, like, things progress, uh, maybe that friend's not as cool anymore, you know? Maybe that friend gets picked on or bullied or, uh, you know, it's just not quite as cool to invite so-and-so to the birthday party. Um, Or, yeah, or to include that person. And, um, you know, I think... uh, you know, I think, you know, teaching our kids to be loyal friends, especially friends who uh, may not be cool or may not have a good reputation or whatever, is really important. I think that's part of kind of, you know, Christian friendship. And um, being, you know, being that person who stands by people even when it's not cool or not popular or doesn't do anything for them socially or maybe even hurts them socially. And, um, and so Joseph's a good example of that. He's an example of loyalty and friendship. And so that's, a, that's another kind of practical lesson there. Uh, five, um, God provides in the things to which he calls us, particularly hard times. So um, God has called Joseph into something very difficult. Um, And we see that along the way, step by step, God provides for Joseph. You know, he gives him um, day by day, situation by situation, provisional grace is kind of the word I like to use. Uh, And and yeah, and so it's a good example of that. And so uh, this is kind of a good lesson for all of us in terms of, or a good reminder for all of us in terms of, like, difficulty, um, challenging things that, you know, that we encounter or are called into. Um, that This is this is both actually the first chapter of my book, uh, Therefore I Have Hope, is based on this. It's on, uh, the chapter is grace, but the term I use is provisional grace, this concept that God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. Um, so any situation that you are called into <coughs> Just by you know, God's providential hand in your circumstances, like we believe that God gives you the grace for that situation. Um, if that means you know, you're called into a difficult marriage, like your spouse is really challenging or really a pain, or um, has some really some major life issues, or maybe has some health issues, like, and that's hard for you, well, we believe that God gives you the grace to stand by them. You know? um, if uh, your child is really, really challenging in different ways. Um, and man, not, not that I experienced this. Uh, oh, Lord have mercy. Um, but yeah, we believe that that child you know, is made by God uh, in God's image, designed by the Lord specifically, without mistake, without accident. And so we believe that God gives us the grace to parent that child, you know, um, if, uh, you know, you have, I don't your parents is getting older and their health is failing and you're in that season of, you know, watching your own kids but taking care of your parent, we believe God gives us the grace for whatever we're called into, we believe that God gives us the grace for. I think it's one of the most, uh, this is, this is the thing I, always, I say to people if, if I have to go visit someone in a tragedy. This is the first thing I always say is that, um, uh, God will give you the grace for today. God will give you the grace for this situation. Um, not situations you haven't been called into, but just the ones you're called into. And so Joseph is a great sample of that. We see God's grace step by step in a very difficult, challenging life um, for Joseph. And then last, uh, Joseph is a portrait of the gospel. Um, the basic Christian gospel is that um, you know we... Are sinners. We do not deserve the love and favor and generosity of a perfectly holy and just God. And the, Christians, the whole Christian story, the whole story of the Bible, is human failure and divine grace and mercy over and over and over again. That's the story of Jesus. Unconditional love for flawed people apart from our performance. And Joseph really is a, a great example of that. Mary, uh, on the surface, appears that Mary has messed up big time. And, um, uh, yeah, and, and has put Joseph in a very difficult situation, it appears. And Joseph uh, stands by her. You know, Joseph loves her. Um, and, you know, he obviously, obviously God gives him the grace to do so because he kind of lets him know, you know, Joseph, this actually is, she actually was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It's not Jimmy around the corner. Um, but, um, but uh, yeah, Joseph, Joseph's mercy for Mary, even in wanting to quietly divorce her, that, that really was an act of mercy. Um, she may have deserved greater judgment and Joseph is, is, is responding her in a merciful way. Um, uh, yeah, he's a portrait of the gospel, um, in his relationship with Mary, um, and in his relationship with Jesus too. Uh, Jesus is not his biological child. And so in a sense, Joseph is like an adoptive parent to Jesus. And, um, and so he, um, is merciful, doesn't give them what they do deserve, In a a, a justice kind of way, and he's gracious. He he um, gives them. he's generous to them in spite of a a difficult and tricky situation. So, so yeah, that is all I have to say about that. In the words of Forrest Gump. Um, Does anybody have any questions about Joseph um, or any of these applications? Yes. Something funny. My parents went to Germany recently, and my mom sent me a picture of. There's a relief sculpture on the side of a church, and it was the conception of uh, of Jesus, uh-huh. and it was like Mary at the bottom, and God above her, and he. There's like a slip and slide into Mary's ear, and God is blowing a baby into her ear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. How about was you? Like, this is how it happened. I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you, can't, the, you can't make that up. <laughs> the 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 slip and slide was integral to the uh yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to the to. To the Messiah's conception, for sure. That's in here. But I okay. have wondered. They don't really talk about the virgin birth after that, that I know of. After this, I've always wondered if, if Joseph was going around town like, no, really, guys. Like, yeah. Like that's a that's really a great question. Um, yeah. I mean, how did Joseph acquit himself of this, or how you know how did how did they do like, strategy. how what was the what was the PR strategy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um. Yeah, I really don't know. And I mean, too, um, the, you know, we see throughout the whole New Testament and the Gospels, in particular. Well, we see in the whole in the Gospels that no one really gets Jesus until after his death and resurrection. Uh, even the disciples don't really understand him until the cross and the resurrection. Because you know, it, it um, you know, they call Jesus the Son of God, and they also call him the Son of Man. So that would definitely mean that they attributed divine qualities to jesus um because the son of man is an image from daniel chapter 7 and chapter 9 that talks about like a divine uh divine figure who comes um so yeah so they they definitely thought he had divine qualities and yet they don't necessarily like treat and regard him like god in a lot of ways um, they don't trust him as if he's God, um, or they don't have expectations of his, as if he's God. So it would have been interesting to know what Joseph did with that. I mean, Joseph obviously would have known that he's got divine qualities because he's like, hey, I didn't do it. <laughs> but anyhow, so yeah. Yes? I have a question, kind of a dumb question, but I feel better to an American that like there's a reason why I struggle with the human and the divine. Yeah. Um, and we live in a day and age where you can be a surrogate. Do you feel, since kind of like Joseph is not... Biologically, or Jesus not biologically Jason, Mary is, like Jesus is biologically Mary? Yes, Jesus is one definitely biologically Mary's child. No question about that. Yeah, and that's um, you know that's part of him needing to be fully human. He's fully human, um, and you know it's funny. Like get into the chromosomes conversation, right? <laughs> about like what about Joseph's chromosomes? Well, Joseph's chromosomes aren't there. Um, uh, how does that all come together that's that's part of the that's part of the mystery of it all that's one we just don't have an answer for um but uh but yeah J- J- Jesus is definitely biologically mary's child yeah probably had a lot of mary's physical characteristics you yeah. yeah this is just a clarification so were they i guess in my head i always thought it was like the angel came to Joseph, they got married real quickly, and everyone thought that Jesus would... So right. are you saying they weren't married until after Jesus was born, when they it, consummated their relationship? Yeah, so technically, um, what really what really was the marker, the threshold by which they were married, was them having sex for the first time.
1: Okay. So was there
0: a ceremony? Like, would they have had a ceremony? Yeah, they would have had a ceremony, yeah. Like, but then, not... I don't think they got no. I do not think that they. I mean, people thought they were an un- unmarried. Yeah, while she's carrying the baby. Okay. Yeah. Um. Do we know how how unusual that would have been, well, like for a couple that's betrothed? Yeah. You know, really supposed to have sex until, the, you know, <laughs> until they're, they're, they have a ceremony. But do we know how like culturally how that would have been viewed or? Sure. Yeah. I th- I think it would have been um. Yeah. I I think it would have been very rare that there would be pregnancy outside of marriage back the, in, in Jewish culture at that time. And that's obviously, we know that, I mean, human nature tells us that uh, it, it happened. Um, but um, I was just wondering if yeah. the, the, the fact of being betrothed and not just being like, you know, the fact that they're actually engaged, you know, I don't know if that was. I was curious about it, sort of that situation a little bit more socially. Oh, yeah, no. Because they were supposed to, like, you know, hands-off policy for all of engagement until married. I like, thought he got married yeah. first. Like, it mm-hmm. says he took her for his wife. Yeah. Or not until given birth to the so, That's right. And they got married, and then they left town. Well, Who knows the here's days the days thing. By <laughs> engagement, he, she, engagement meant that Mary was his wife. Yeah, so right. when it says that, because it says before that, that um, Joseph was her husband... So the moment that they were engaged, they became husband and wife, um, but that was not consummated until they had they got married and they had sex. So. I guess my question. Was, yeah. So the whole time until Jesus mm-hmm. was delivered, yeah, it was a shame. It was it was, a, it, was an it was an out of wedlock. Yeah, it was yeah, an out was of a, wedlock pregnancy. Like they were and able deal. to like clean it up very quickly and like no, like, oh, the baby was early. Look. No, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no shotgun wedding for no shotgun wedding for Mary and Joseph. No, no. Yeah. Anyhow, um, yeah. Hold on I just think it's interesting, interesting that of the three visitations, the two were before something happened. for some yeah that weren't, and the first time it was after the fact. And I can just imagine Joseph being like, "Well, you know, he told me before you know the conception. I was huh. okay with it. You know, he, yeah. You know, gave me a heads up. And so I'm just like, was that a test? Part of
1: the Joseph, you know, yeah, um, I, I, that's a good question. How, how
0: much are you to yeah. believe a woman has me? I mean, Right, no. sure. <coughs> but I, I think one thing in terms of our practical application of it is it seems that we're generally called into something and we're terrified, we're overwhelmed, and then God gives us grace. So I think the pattern of that first visitation seems to be more consistent with what we experience in terms of, oh, crud, this has happened, I'm losing my mind, and God shows up um, and calms us and, and provides for us and equips us. Yeah. And that would have changed the whole story. I mean, like, a mm. coming in a month, great. Let's get the ceremony done. Let's. That's do that. true. That's a really good point. Yeah. But like everyone else would think, you know. Like, yeah. Totally. Now that's a really good point. I see a lot of little children at the door. Yeah. So let me let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Let's go, okay. Lord, thanks for um, your faithfulness to us. Thank you for uh, Joseph. Thank you so much for Jesus and. Um, Lord, pray that you would give us grace for everything that we're facing right now and um, everything we'll face in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.